Welcome to Rocksod Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at www.rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. Our guest today is preacher Alan Harris from Julesburg Christian Church in Julesburg, Colorado. As we are recording this podcast, I'm preaching my fourth revival with the Julesburg Church, my third as evangelist with Rock Solid Ministries. My first revival here was way back in 1980 or 81. And I might add that the Julesburg Church is one of our partner churches that monthly support Rock Solid Ministries, making it possible for us to minister all across North America free of charge. So, Alan, when I was writing this introduction, I was thinking, I don't know when we met. But we just had breakfast this morning and figured it out. It was at your sister and brother-in-law's baptism when I was ministering in Sterling, Colorado. And that would have been 1983 or no, 84, I think is when they were baptized. I believe that's right. And uh, that's you were, you came down for the baptism and that's where we yes. met. So uh, I'm looking forward to learning more about you. So Brother Allen, tell us your story. Yeah, you know, uh, we known you a long time now and uh, um, the we became Christians around the same time as my sister and brother-in-law did that same year I didn't know and that we did yeah and uh, um, I did not uh, grow we kind of grew up going to church off and on Sunday school Methodist Church Presbyterian Church but but never I never had a gospel presentation given to me that uh, told me that I had to have a response to the gospel uh, and, and until I was 12 years old and, and uh, you know you've been all over the place but I haven't uh, I've ministered mostly in this area my my whole uh, life as a minister and uh, pastored two churches in this area and but also grew up in this area I'm, I'm uh, this is where I was at but uh, went to uh, a Methodist church as a young boy before I was ever in school, went to a Methodist church, heard Jesus loved me, but never anyone ever told me about the need of the gospel in my life for me to respond in some way to know Christ. <clears throat> Later, my grandfather had an encounter with the Lord, and, and he was a member of the Presbyterian Church, and he uh, encouraged us to go to Sunday school at the Presbyterian <coughs> Church so that we would have some type of background. So we did for a time. and I, I remember hearing about Jesus' resurrection. I remember hearing... Uh, different things about God's love, but I never, never had a gospel presentation, which to me is kind of bizarre that you can go to church and, and, uh, uh, and yet never hear a gospel presentation that, that, that speaks to you to make a, a decision, you know, for Christ. And, and, uh, the, it, to me, looking back, that seems so bizarre now because the, the churches were good intended, but they didn't preach a full gospel message. And now I, I hear that one of those churches, um, doesn't even require a person to become a Christian to be a member of the church. They wow. just em- embrace them as members of the church if they, they want to place membership there. Kind of and, like going to the Rotary Club. I guess so. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's basically a, a club. And, and so to me, that's bizarre, but it kind of explains why no one ever told me about the gospel in, in that church. And, and so, um, when my, when I was 12 years old, my, my, uh, my aunt had become a, a Christian and, and what is really I wish, you know, we, we look back, we find our lineage about 
who we are is from where we came from. You know, I, um, I found out that I'm descended from a Presbyterian minister that, uh, Planted ten churches in Iowa years ago. And back in the day, he was a relative of my grandmother's. And to me, that's pretty odd. But that never translated into into our lives down the road. But you know, all that lineage is pretty good. But what really intrigues me is our spiritual lineage. What what led to this person becoming a Christian? That led to them, etc. And then and then down the road, it comes into your life. To me, that's the lineage that matters because sure, uh, we want to be saved. Right. You know, in, in the end, if the the fathers. Uh, command is that we have eternal life and, and in the end I want that command to be true in my life so so the lineage that got me here is 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 really intriguing to me and so my aunt had in-laws that were Christians and they ministered Christ to her and she became a Christian and and in uh, that within a short time then uh, my mother is invited to the Spring Revival in 1973 in this very church where we're sitting in. Jewelsburg Christian Jewelsburg Church. Christian Church. And, and she uh, receives Christ as her Savior and, and goes to the waters of baptism at that, in that revival and, and got, got baptized and, and saved. And then the next morning after she became a Christian, she told me my need for Christ. Wow. And, and, and so she didn't waste any time speaking. Her and I would always get up early in the morning. And so that next morning she... She's, uh, we're sitting there talking as we did early in the morning, and she tells me that of my need for Christ, uh, for, for Jesus to be my Savior. And it always uh, encompassed the need to be baptized, as, as that is when your sins are washed away. Right. Which is what the Scripture teaches. Right. And, and so um, so that, that became part of my life, and, and I attended uh, Sunday school and vacation Bible school, and and a church uh, off and on at this church through throughout the uh, rest of my high school years, and so it was it was solidified in in my life the, what the teachings of the Christian Church were. Laid the groundwork for me to come back here someday. But right. um, we we ended up uh, I didn't become a Christian at that point. And what's amazing to me is I wasn't raised in, in a in, in a, a setting that taught me salvation. But when it was, I knew instantly it was right. I didn't respond, but I, I knew instantly it was right, and and uh, so down the road, I uh, I knew that, that that was the need. I always knew that was the need. So, but I didn't, but I didn't respond to it, and I didn't, I didn't give my answer. But the Lord called me, and, and one of the things that I find amazing is that as a young person sitting in the very back row of of, of this church, the sanctuary upstairs there. My cousin and I, we always sat in the very back pew, and we, we messed around a lot. But I'm going to tell you that the Holy Spirit knew where we were at, and, and there was never a Sunday that the, that the invitation was given to come to the forward and accept Christ and be baptized that, that I did not feel the, the Holy Spirit speak to me and call me. When the, when the preacher would say, uh, if, if there be anyone today, Jesus stands at the door and knocks, if there be anyone that hears his knock and opens the door, come forward today and we'll baptize you. There was never a time the Lord didn't call me. And so I know, I know without a doubt that for everyone that sits back there and is not interested in the gospel, the Holy Spirit's still reaching them because he did me. He spoke to me in that back pew over and over. Come on, it's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to go down front and, and confess Christ before men and be baptized, repent of your sins. And all those things that are essential for being saved, I knew them. And, and they spoke to me, and the Holy Spirit called me to them. But I didn't, still didn't give in. 
I waited until, uh, you know, this church so much wanted me to know the gospel. I, the enemy convinced me they'd laugh at me if I went forward in church that there'll be laughter. They'll laugh at you. Well, the enemy, mm. we know how the enemy works. He's sure. going to laugh at me. They're praying for me to become a Christian, you know? Right. And, uh, but they got me to go to uh, Nebraska Christian College that spring, uh, the, the, right before I graduated to, to check out the college and I got out of school to do it. So let's go, you know? And, and so I went down and, and I had a wonderful week at Nebraska Christian College and, and the Lord spoke to me so powerfully there. And in ways that, small ways that, that uh, we don't think about. One of the things that, that spoke to me uh, one evening, we were walking back to the dorms and the guy I'm walking by is a Christian college student. He has no knowledge to this day that this happened, I'm sure. I'd love to meet him. I'd love to find out who it was. But he's walking beside me and he just breaks into song of praise to, to the Lord. Wow. And I remember thinking, wow, how foreign is that to me? You know, but he ministered to me and, and doesn't probably realize he did that to this day. But that spoke to me as a young person seeking the Lord. Somebody was bold enough to sing out in public about about their faith in Jesus. And he's just singing a and worship song as, yeah. we, as we walk. He ministered in his authenticity of who he was in Christ without even realizing it was natural to him. He just did it because he was loving the Lord and it ministered to me. In that same weekend, there was a, a contest for preachers to preach and and uh, uh, young people to preach. Uh, and the winner of that contest got a scholarship of some kind. I don't know how much it was, but he got, they got a scholarship. Well, there was a young man up there preaching in the one service, and I'm sitting there, and I look up, and, and, and he's he's really given a, a, a strong message. And, I'm, and I said, I could do that within <laughs> myself. And I'll tell you what, from that point on, the Lord... I knew the call was there. The Lord called me. It's almost as if I heard the words, and you will. Yeah. And and yet I wasn't even a Christian yet, but the call of the Lord came before that. And that was your senior year of high school? That was my senior year in high school, yeah. which was would have been 1978. And and yet I wasn't a Christian. I didn't give in. And so then as a, a young man that's not serving the Lord, but has a call in the ministry and knows it, and knows the right way uh, to become a Christian as well, um, I meet a I meet a young woman who's who uh, was also raised in church and Assembly of God Church, but um, she's really running from the Lord too at that point in her life. And we meet each other. God has a plan, you know. He brings yeah. things together. And uh, I've been studying the Book of Esther, and and uh, it's amazing the events that unfold. And God's in charge all the way through. And so these things going on in my life, and God God speaks to my life that that uh, um, you know brings me a wife that's that her and I both have a background in Christianity but neither one of us are serving the Lord and so um, but we end up getting married and we have we have two children I'm 24 years old I'm not still not a Christian we all that time all, still not a Christian all that time still not a Christian we visit uh, church on Mother's Day 1984 and the Lord convicted me that day in the message that I was someone who said I was a Christian and I was playing games with God. I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't saved. I I uh, was playing games with God and I knew it. I knew it when, when that was preached and and I responded to the gospel message that morning. Um, that ended up leading me into the Assembly of God where I was a minister for for uh, many years and I uh, ultimately, about a, less than a year later, I preached for the first time because as soon as I 
gave my life to the Lord and believed and was baptized, I that call to minister came roaring in like, you know, once once the barrier against Christ was down, the, the call that was already there just roared in, you know. Right. And uh, so um, I've got to preach. And uh, so um, within, you know, it, it was amazing as I was a person said, well, I'm gonna, when I become a Christian, when I ever do, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not going to be a hypocrite like others. Well, that's not true either because we, we all have hypocrisies. But but I was determined that when I became a Christian, I would follow through and I would I would stay the course. And that has always been my intent. And so I opened the Bible and began to read. And uniquely, the, every time I read the Bible, God gave me ideas of what things to preach. And I thought everyone got that when they read the Bible. But that isn't true. I found out since then that... Not everybody receives ideas to preach because they're not called to preach a ministry. But the Lord speaks to them, but not in the fashion he was to me. So uh, the following February that year, I I preached for the first time. And then from that point on, I I, I played in a, a, my horn in a Christian band that we had. In the, and whenever... You played Robert, the trumpet. Trombone. Well, I meant trombone. trombone. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I still do. I do today. know the difference. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. You've been playing it this week, right? Yeah. But uh, to this day, I still play. Um, had some times where I didn't play as much, but I'm playing uh, all the time now again. And uh, But never really gave it up from that point on. But uh, the Lord's always allowed me to uniquely minister with the horn somewhat. And so we stayed that with that as well. And, um, but the... We were doing that, but any opportunity to preach, I would take it. And um, I heard a minister say that he, he that one thing he had always told the Lord is, "I'll never turn down an opportunity to preach." And boy, that spoke to me. You know, I've never never uh, turned down the opportunity to preach, no matter where it's at. And I've been able I've preached in a lot of denominations, including Catholic churches, a couple times that I was allowed to because I'm willing to preach wherever God allows me. And it's amazing right. when He opens a door that you don't expect. And, and so he's he's been faithful to what his call is, and anyway we we uh, uh, went forward, and and about uh, five years into my Christian walk, the minister of our church uh, resigned, and there was no one to come to this small rural area and take the church, and they asked me to take it on an interim basis. It was a long interim; it was eighteen years. I was the minister in that oh, wow. church eighteen years. And, uh, and was that a Spanish assembly? It was a Spanish assembly, God. Right. And I don't, I was never fluent in Spanish, but I learned more Spanish as I went. It's something I've gotten really rusty. And now after, after, uh, uh, 12 years, uh, out of that setting, right. but, uh, um, it was a good time, good people. And God allowed us, um, good things there. Um, and all, I say all that time you're preaching, the the gospel that you had heard growing up that you knew exactly was 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 the word which uh is is interesting that we can go anywhere and uh i I preach in denominational churches and if they'll if they ask me to come i i always say now this is this is what the word says and this is what i'm going to preach and uh, if you can accept that i'll be there and and uh, it's amazing that sometimes they're more receptive than they are in their own churches. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Uh, the, one of the things that happened when uh, we became Christians that first year was the minister in that church uh, would baptize us right away. And I remember being so frustrated because I knew 
what I had been taught in the Christian church, and I knew that when you believe, you're baptized. That's that's just how it is, and that's what the scripture. And I remember going to him and saying, you know, the Bible says when you believe, you're supposed to be baptized. Why do we have to wait? Well, we need to have a class so that you fully understand what it's about because there's so many different ideas out there. You need to do this, and and uh, we need to go through all this. And and uh, one of the things I've seen through the years, though, is the preachers that explain away what the Bible says instead of embrace what it says. Right. And that frustrated me then, and it greatly frustrates me today. Um, the Lord's hand was in us being where we were at at that time, but I never forgot the roots where I came from sure. because I knew how important it was to believe and be baptized, that our response to the gospel is to be baptized. And so, anyway, we, we did get baptized that year, that within a short time that summer, but it wasn't fast enough for me. And uh, so, and I was, a, and I've always been a twenty question guy. So I know he got tired of me those first months <laughs> because because I never let up with that twenty question mentality. And I'm an immature young man and, and trying to grow in the Lord. I'm reading the Scripture and I got all these questions. And 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 he was kind of stuck in the doctrine of of a of a denomination, you know. And right. So, um, but never never abandoned what I what I knew to be true, and and have grown in it obviously because. I, I've grown over the years in what the Bible says being important. Uh, we all we all do, but the God allowed us to minister through some tough times there. And the premier thing I found for me as I entered the ministry was that I had to be real stubborn. <laughs> and I've realized my greatest gift is stubbornness, if you will, and that I had to be stubborn to do what I was going to do because the enemy didn't want me to do it. And sometimes human nature doesn't want you to do it. Sometimes your family doesn't and society sure doesn't. And and I had to be stubborn to do what God had called me to do. And so stubbornness in the Lord served me well beyond what anything else could have, I think, at that point. 18 years down the road, the, and what's interesting is, is my sister one time this church was without a minister, and she said, "Why don't you, why don't you apply to be the minister at the Christian church?" And I said, "Oh, they would never have me to be the minister there. I, I would never be the minister there." And I said, "I'm comfortable where I'm at right now." And she says, "I think you should do that." And it was kind of funny down the road. What was interesting too was a lady that I had known since I was a young kid, who was a member of this church. She talked to me one time about I'd, I was serving the Lord now, and she says. I'm so glad you're serving the Lord, but she says, I've never liked it that you left the Christian church. And, <laughs> and I said, I said, I know, I know. And she said, she says, I'm praying for you to come back to the Christian church someday. And, and I just kind of, yeah, okay. And, and, uh, I never thought about that again until I come back to this church and she's now with the Lord many years. But, um, one day I thought of that, that she had said that I'm praying for you to come back. And I thought, her prayers were answered down the road well after she's gone oh. to be with the Lord. That prayer she had that I would come back to the Christian church came to pass. My uh, The other thing that I've found out through the years of ministry is you can't tell God what you will or won't do. Right. And so just about everything I've ever said, I'll never do that. I've uh, When it comes to things of God or the Lord, I've done every, pretty much every one of those things. And one of them was I'd never be the minister or leader of this church. And... and uh, um, the that came to pass that I was, uh, you know, it's almost like the Lord said, "I'll show you." 
And uh, so <laughs> he does uh, that a lot. He does that a lot. Anyway, yeah. so this church was the minister coming. We had a joint service, and they said, "You know, uh, you you pretty much believe. It sounds like you believe the same thing we believe. What? Why couldn't we just put two churches together in a, in a struggling rural area?" And and I said, "Well, we'll pray about it." And we all prayed about it, and we all decided that we could do this. And and uh, uh, God brought it together. And I know part of it was that I had roots here. I knew I knew about the Christian church setting. I knew about the biblical basis. I I knew. Uh, what, and what was interesting is one of the one of the things I had to battle when I became minister of this church was that there was a small group of people that were advocating that we wouldn't take the Lord's table every week. Really? And, and, wow. and, and I, and then they were, they later decided to leave and, and form their own group. But I remember walking through the fellowship hall and hearing this discussion take place and I was incredulous. And I looked at them and I said, this church has a historical basis of, it has always taken the Lord's table every week. And it is biblical to take it more often than not. Right. And the scripture says, as often as you take, eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death until he comes. And I don't know why in the world we wouldn't want to show continually that the Lord has died for our sins, that it's not of ourselves, it's of the Lord. And I, and I just told him right then, and that group that was discussing that, I just told him right then, I said, this church has always taken the Lord's, been to the Lord's table every week, clear back as long as I can remember and before me. And I said, we won't not be taking the Lord's table <laughs> on a weekly basis uh, anytime soon. And uh, they just never, they never, they just looked at me and never said nothing. But I remember being incredulous. How is this being discussed in a Christian church? You know, in a denomination yeah. I went to, they have that discussion. They decide, well, maybe we'll do it once a, once a month or once a quarter or right. uh, sometimes, uh, you know, one of the, one of my things there was, why don't we take communion more often? Why don't we? Uh, why 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 don't we take it every week? Because that's where I came from. Why aren't we taking it every week here? Well, we don't have to, and the people's hearts need to be right. No, I find the people's hearts get right at the Lord's table as they come. Not not you have to wait till people are right. If you wait till people are totally right, they'll never be right to come to the Lord's table. Right, right. But there were times when I wasn't the minister of that church that. Uh, that minister made us go over a year without ever taking to the Lord's table. Wow. And and I'm battling, you know, my 20-question mentality. I'm like, what, what are you doing? What, what are we doing here? This is not the Bible teaches. And uh, and so um, I think I, I think back, and it's kind of funny because um, I think sometimes the minister got a little tired of me ringing his doorbell in the middle of the <laughs> afternoon to talk to him <laughs> about, about what the Bible said. And... Uh, and sometimes when he answered the door, I could see the look on his face. You know, oh no, it's Alan again. No, Alan. But uh, I was I was on on fire for Jesus, and I wanted I wanted to be biblical, you know. And so, um, so when I became the minister, uh, we within uh, a short time of that, we I implemented. I met with the the board of the church, and I said, you know, the Bible says you should take the taking the Lord's table, and as often as you do, you're showing his death until he comes. Until he comes, and he hasn't come yet, so why aren't we taking the Lord's table more often? I want to I want to raise up the subject with you that we're going to take this all the time. We're going to take it weekly. And they responded and said, yes, let's do it every week. So we, wow. started, we started taking the Lord's table. What a the change Lord's there. Yeah, that was, that was a major thing, yeah. And uh, we, we started taking the Lord's table every week. 
And uh, so I come back here and there's a discussion going on in this church of, well, we, we don't, you don't need to take it every week. And uh, I, I just right up front said, well, it's not going to change anytime soon right now because it's biblical and it's tradition. It's the Christians here. I mean, that's the groundwork is laid. I said the Christian churches have historically taken the Lord's table every week because of the scripture. We're not going to do away with that. Right. And uh, uh, anyway, that we didn't and we still do. And we're not because it's, it's scriptural and we'll be, we'll be taking the Lord's table uh, every week. And, and, and more often if we want, you know, the Lord's table as often as you take this, eat this bread and drink this cup, you're proclaiming his death till he comes. Why, we can proclaim that as often as we need to or want to. And why, why would more often be less biblical than less often? It, it wouldn't be because we, it, it, more often will be way more biblical than waiting weeks and months and quarters and years sure. to, to take of the Lord's table. So we did that. But anyway, you know, the Lord brought us back over here and I had a, a man that uh, I used to do some ministry at the truck stop with, and when I told him what the Lord was doing, he says, "That's a that's great. I, that is awesome that that you're doing that." He says, "Man, I can't believe that God's going to do that, but that's awesome that, that you're doing that." And uh, I said, "Well, it'd take the Lord's help to bring two churches together and 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 sure. uh, have us walk in the Bible together." And uh, well, that happened. God brought me back to my roots and brought two churches together. And uh, the I go back to truck stop ministry uh, some months down the road, and the man come to me and he says, "I want to apologize to you." I said, "What? What for?" He says, "Because when you told me about taking taking two churches together, I told you that's great." He says, "But inside, I was thinking it'll never happen. You can't put two churches together. You can't you can't bring two churches together like that, especially with that have." that have different traditions. And he says, <coughs> he says, I want to apologize because, because it happened. And he says, you were the man God sent for the job. Well, God could have sent a rock to do what he had me do. We know that. Sure. But God did bring who he wanted at that point and, and brought us together and, and, and brought us back. Actually, I think uh, brought this church back to its biblical roots. I'm not saying it had strayed far, but there was some factions sure. wanting it to stray, and and one of those uh, things that uh, what that that was disappointing to me was that this church, my mother was became a Christian in the spring revival of nineteen seventy three, and there was a, a revival every year. This church had a huge revival event every year when I was a boy, and it was a big deal. They had a banquet to kick it off. They had prayer times. They invited people. They planned for it, and, and they brought in the, a group, uh, or either a quartet or a preacher, whoever, every okay. year and and, uh, and and for ministry, and they had a big revival, and it served them well. And so that that tradition had been let go. And you mentioned that back in the, I think during the revival this week, you've mentioned that back in the early 80s or something, you'd, you'd had a revival. Yes. And, and then you've never been invited back after that. Yeah, I guess I didn't make much of an impression. Yeah, I I don't. The <laughs> thing is, I found out you had. Oh. There was some people that you had. You did make an impression here. And, of course, you have roots here, too, that go way back beyond me uh, as a boy. But your grandfather was the minister of this church back in the 50s and maybe early 60s, but for sure, or late 50s. Fred Huckleberry, and, yeah. and we have a lot of his radio sermons from the 1960s uh, on this podcast. And if uh, our listeners go back and just start searching, you can find 
sermons from the 1960s that he preached after he left this church. Yeah, uh, they were on radio radio sermons. Yeah. yeah, and they're 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 like fresh bread bacon today when you listen to them. Oh, they are. They, they are. weren't they weren't for that time. They're they're good stuff for today. I mean, that shows the gospel's been true all along, and and when it's preached right, it'll 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 pass the generations and still be true. You know? If I remember correctly, he was here from '57 to '60. Okay, and and uh, I was telling my age now, but I was born in '57, so uh, it was interesting to come and hold a revival here in the early '80s, and uh, certainly now to come back. An interesting story about your grandfather is we just actually we're sitting in the classroom of a of a woman that this was her classroom for for years and years and years. She taught Sunday school in this class, one of the best Sunday school teachers I've ever ever uh, encountered, and. Uh, uh, in fact, this rack over here—that's still her Sunday school stuff. I, I almost felt like I was on sacred ground when we, we, you know, we weren't using this room, and I needed a live stream room, so I came and kind of took this room over, and I felt like I was almost on hallowed ground here. But, yeah. but we, I needed, we needed the space, and it's okay. She wouldn't mind anyway, and and it wouldn't matter. But you know, we, we, we're good stewards of what God's given us, and this room is available, so we do the our daily live stream study from here. But, um. She taught out of this room for, for years, served the Lord in this church for years. Uh, she, uh, right before COVID hit, she uh, got cancer for the second time in her life. First time she had cancer, God healed her. And at, after she was healed the first time, she she adopted a son who's, who now is one of our piano players in this church. And you Really know, good, really good pianist, yeah. Yeah, play, played for the service last night. But... Uh, she adopted him and raised him and, and uh, uh, had a whole second life after getting a terminal donut, uh, diagnosis of cancer the first time. And uh, uh, and just after the birth of her grandson, uh, a little over, right well, right before COVID, she found out she had terminal cancer and come back after all these years. And, you know, we prayed, hoped that the Lord would give her some more time, but the Lord took her home. And uh, um, she was such a powerful part of this church for so many years and God uh, used her in this church uh, working uh, the person she managed our nursing home as a nurse for many years worked in our hospital did ER work worked nights helped with our local museum a wonderful wonderful woman and a wonderful mother Mm -hmm. and uh, but she was saved under your grandfather's ministry in fact her mother father and several of her sisters and herself were saved under your grandfather's ministry wow and the interesting thing about that was her father as a young man died of cancer not long after your grandfather buried him and raised him to life out of the water wow and so and then all these years later now the doris uh, went home to be with the lord but uh, all the all these years later because you go way back all those years i wasn't born yet and and your grandfather here <coughs> led her and her family to the Lord, and yet all these years later, um, her son still serves the Lord and plays piano in this church. So, um, to me, that's an amazing yeah. legacy of, of a powerful ministry over and, sixty uh, years. Yeah, a long time. And uh, so, you know, good things happened here, and God has done great things here, and we have uh, we're privileged to be part of 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 being a steward of what God has placed here. And, and it's, it's been a wonderful 12 years. And, and the man told me, I never thought it could happen. And, and, but God did it. And, and, uh, one of the things that, that 
we have done is and wanted to do was was to start having a revival, yearly revival services. And and you uh, contacted us actually, although I knew of you. And one of the things that had happened was, and and I guess I would tell anybody that that looks and says, man, their schedule's full forever. Contact you anyway and get on the list because what happened with us is, um, and and the reason I know that you're. Um, remembered it from back in the 80s is you uh, actually did revival but you also filled in this church a couple weeks but there's uh, a family from that time that remembered you and when we started talking about the need to have revivals your name was brought up by those people immediately as as uh, what about Tom Weaver he's a good preacher and and I said well you know I've checked checked but they've got they're booked up for three four years five years I think in some cases and uh and they said, well, maybe we could get on the list. Well, not long after that, you, you contacted me. Because I had said, you know, the list is long. But you contacted and said, hey, i got an opening. Well, uh, I'll tell you about that. You talk about having to uh, battle for biblical, uh, taking a biblical stance in a Bible church that's always been historically very Bible-based, the Christian church. Uh, the reason we had an opening could come here and it actually was Greg first because uh, Greg was going to a church, another church in Colorado where I had been held five revivals and he had just come on with us back in 15. And uh, I had gotten him booked there the year before and I was booked after and uh, they canceled us. And when they called Kristen asked why and they said, well, Tom preaches baptism for the remission of sins. Well, that's like you said about communion. That's, uh, first of all, it's biblical. Secondly, it's what a Christian church has taught always. And uh, this guy didn't want to hear that. He was a preacher there and said, I don't want that. I don't think his elders knew he did that. But he called and wanted to cancel Greg and me. And, and uh, we said, well, that's, that's all right. And uh, Greg was going to be in this area. So I said, well, I'll just, I'll call Alan. Maybe they'd like to have a revival. And uh, you took his and ours. Yeah. And we've been coming every year since, uh, every other year, Greg, and every other year, me. And that's how we end up getting to come here. Well, then the key, of course, is to let it be known you'll have. If there's an opening, you'd be glad to take it. You know, yeah, we do have a wait list that people yeah. can sign up for. And, sure. and uh, we always tell them, go ahead. It's four years before I can come. Book one of those, and it'll come faster than you think. And uh, then get on a wait list, and you never know. I had a church, uh, I think it was two years ago, um, I'd never been to before, and uh, they got on the wait list in January, and we were there in May. So you just never know. Yeah, that's the thing. And so we lost a little time because we didn't get on the list originally because we thought the wait was really long. Of course, if you wait for when the schedule's going to open up, that's not going to happen. So Yeah, I've, so I've had people many times say, well, I'll, I'll just wait uh, for a couple of years, and I'll book you then. I said, well, if you book us in a couple of years, it's going to be <laughs> exactly. four years out still, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's been good. These have been good revivals. Yeah. Interestingly, and the first, I think the first time you were here, I know it was the first time you were here, um, talking to a man afterwards, he he had picked up a track of what must I do to be saved. And, and uh, he, he said, yeah, this has been a good revival this week. He goes, but I'm not taking this track. And he put it down. And he says, because Tom believes that that, uh, you ha- that you're that you not saved until you're baptized. And, and uh, um, he doesn't believe your sins are forgiven until the, you're baptized. And I said, uh, well, Tom's stance is, what does the Bible say? And so 
everything in that tract is based on what what the Bible says. And so the question is, what does the Bible say? And he still wouldn't take the tract, and he, he left. But uh, uh, the truth is offensive, I guess, because there was nothing in that tract that wasn't true. Right. And what, what does the Scripture say about baptism is is what we keep bringing up and keep talking about because, you know, a lot of people explain away what the Bible says about it, but this is what it says. And your sins are washed away. You t- receive the Spirit of God. You 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 put Christ on you. Uh, other things that occur in... Uh, I'm lost for a second here, but there's a number of things that occur in baptism. Uh, you're, you're buried. You're risen to newness of life. You, right. Um, those that believe that somehow that's become that infant baptism has become the, the replacement for circumcision doesn't hold water. You right. might as well try and hold water through a through a strainer is what you should do if you're going to believe that because it just doesn't pan out. It doesn't match up the entirety of Scripture. It doesn't support it. And yet people do that. And so, um, you know, that, that offends people. I'm thankful that it offends somebody enough. We, we were able to open some, have, have your open day here at our church. So. Well, you know... I was in a bookstore, a uh, quote-unquote Bible bookstore, some years ago, and they were explaining away. There was a book there. <coughs> I apologize for our listeners. I've uh, been sick for a few weeks mm-hmm. and uh, just getting over this. But anyway, uh, I picked up one of their books and was just reading it, and and they were explaining that, yes, uh, in the New Testament, baptism was for the forgiveness of sins. But... Uh, over the years, the, the mourner's bench took the place of that. Mm-hmm. Now, they didn't explain where that came from the Bible. They were just explained because they believed in the mourner's bench. And yes, baptism was for remission of sins in New Testament days. But the mourner's bench is now what we do. And there was no biblical background for that. Yeah. Now, of course, we saw last night, we saw a new birth in Christ here at the revival. Yes. People say, do, do revivals work? Well, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Rededication of a man uh, and a and a baptism of another man last night. Yes. So. Yeah, and and so, is there validity in a revival? Yes, there is. And is there validity in the the scriptures? Yes. And the struggle for that man to come has has been a little bit ongoing because of the background and the groundwork laid of, of which was not biblical in his life, and so the Lord brought him to last night though, and the realization that he needed to be baptized, and he says. He, when he talked to me, he said, I, I need my sins forgiven. My sins aren't forgiven. They hadn't been washed away. And he knew it. He sensed it. The Lord was speaking to him about right. it. Right. So, and that's interesting. They're speaking to him from Leviticus. Yeah. This week, you know. and, yeah, and that Old Testament. Yeah, the Old Testament talking about the, the ordination of the priest and how we're ordained into the priesthood when we accept Christ. That's mm-hmm. our baptism is our ordination service. Yeah. Really into the priesthood of believers. And uh, it, it, it was really exciting to be a part of that last night. Yeah, and I could tell talking with him this morning that he uh, he had an experience last night that that he felt he feels clean. Yeah, I could tell, and I've been having been there and and, and uh, understand where he's at right now. I, I could sense in him that that, that he's that, that he received that moment last night because he obeyed the scriptures. So, well, what have been your? I just want to ask, what have been some of your greatest joys through the years? As a preacher, local, I think I already know what they are, but but uh, maybe there's some special time that was really uh, that you think back on that just brought great joy to your heart and your life. Um, 
you know, the very first time I preached, three people uh, became Christians that night. Wow. That, uh, that led me to believe, of course, that was going to happen every time. Didn't, of course, but it was, it was a special moment. Almost, uh, in some ways, God's um, calling on, uh, or verify, verifying of the calling, you know, that um, what, what kind of terrible preacher could preach and, and people get saved the first time he preaches other than God's in it, and, but right. God's always in what we do. So that, that was kind of unique. But there's uh, the, the relationships that come from, from long-term commitment to the body of Christ. Those are special to me. Um, the, as you see, and, and when you see uh, people grow in Christ, one of the things that I guess one of my greatest disappointments is if I know someone long-term and they've been a Christian, but now 20 years down the road, I see no growth in them. Yeah. That, that's disappointment. But what, um, the other joy is, is when I see someone grow in Christ yeah, they didn't. They didn't just believe and get baptized on a certain date. They, it's it's alive in their life today. It was and a real change. It was, exactly. It was, yeah. Right. And and then there's the the battling of that in, in that mindset of, well, I was saved on May 13, 1984. Um, I'm a Christian, but are you today? Is 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 the key? And uh, if if that was real, why aren't you? Why, why don't I see that today? Because I, I'm not doubting you were saved on that day, but where are you today? Because, uh, you know, you, you, maybe you need a, a recommitment, a renewal of what you what you believed be, and what you did because it's not valid or it's not showing valid today. Right. And so, but when I see people that are growing in that or, or when you come to a church, as we, we've, I've only had two churches, but when I, I came here and people I knew when I first came here and versus now, 12 years later, and I see growth in their life, it's an absolute joy of ministry. I remember as a coach for wrestling, you'd work and work on teaching kids the moves of wrestling, what to do when they're under attack and how they needed to attack. And they never get it, never get it, never get it. And then all of a sudden, you're at a, you're at a tournament and you, you see this kid under attack, and all of a sudden he responds with the counterattack that you've taught him. And and it's like they've just won the Olympics, you know? It's like you you helped them learn that, and they responded and did it. That's, in ministry, that's even more so. When you see people grow that from where they were to where they are, are now, to me that's an amazing, amazing yeah. thing. You know that that they have gotten hold of the gospel in their life, and the newness of life didn't just stay back in in their history. It's it's in their present. And to me, that's that's uh, what, probably the most awesome part of ministry, other than when someone comes to the Lord and becomes a true Christian, like we saw last night. That that's that's really the pinnacle. But for him, if he if he only stays there and we never see down the road that that he's growing, then there'll be great disappointment in that. So the joy is if we'll see him grow from what we saw him gain last night. And to me, that's that's awesome. When when the body comes together and the people grow, and and uh, that's that's and then when they when they gain knowledge of the word, the word begins to click in their life, which is all part of that. To me, that's an amazing thing. And plus, 
how God can speak from his word over and over and over again from the same passage, but speak different yes. based on who you are now versus sure. when you read it the first time. To me, that's the, the joys of the ministry as well. So. Well, what do you believe to be the greatest challenges? And I like to put this in three parts and you take one, two, or all three parts. Okay. Uh, what do you believe to be the greatest challenges facing the church, individual Christians, or the ministry or ministers today? And in the future and coming ahead. You know, that there's some, uh, that's, you could put a lot into that question. Um, but what I see as great challenges is ministers being tempted to not be willing to suffer as Christ suffered. Right. Um, Just in it for a paycheck. Yeah, exactly. Um, as if it's some other vocation. It's a vocation, but it's it's the Lord's vocation. Right. And as is being a Christian, the Lord's vocation. But to act or to think that somehow we don't have to suffer as Christ suffered, that there be no sufferings, that is a weak ministry. Um, set for the the people of God that that the uh, the times we live in are not the problem as much as the apathy of the people right. in the times that we live in. And it's based on the fact, to me, that the Word of God is being largely ignored by so many Christians. Yep. Um, ignorance and negligence of the Word of God is, is absolutely astounding today when you have people in churches that have never read a book of the Bible, have right. never read the New Testament, don't know the biblical stories. Churches that are allowing people to be members without a salvation, true salvation experience that brings a relationship with the body and with, with Christ, um, that we're not standing on that word. Uh, neglect of w what I believe is the true Sabbath of, of God in Christ, which is prayer and, and Bible study, if we do not have those things, those are the challenges that if we can't get that established in the church, we're, we're in danger of, of ceasing. We, it'll never cease to exist. It's going to be a lot smaller and we're not happy with where things are going now. It'll only get worse if we don't reestablish ourselves Absolutely. On, on the basis of where we started. Which right. I believe it's in Psalm, it may be Psalm 150, but it's in the, I think it is Psalm 150 that, that warns against moving moving the, the cornerstones, uh, yes. the, the perimeters of, of where you started. And we see the church moving uh, in an attempt to enlarge itself has actually made itself smaller by moving the perimeters of God. Right. Not understanding that the commands of God are from front to back, not just in Ten Commandments, of which certainly encompass everything, but, but to somehow believe that we don't have to follow those today. Um, and that that somehow that those are mean to us when they're really the perimeters of a quality of life that is matched by no, nothing the world has to offer. Right. And so when we, we look at things without the biblical basis, there's, there's our biggest problem and battle of today. And to, in my opinion, I believe that's the truth. I think it's really good, though. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that yet anyone has, has spoken about that on this program, so I really appreciate that. Um, well, our time is really about up. Is there anything you want to add here at the end, or are we 
You done? Or? <laughs> I'm good. I've, I've uh, pretty much preached the whole time we've been going here. But uh, Well, that's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I wanted. It was a great story. Here. I learned so much about you. And and uh, and like so you go back, the relationship between your, uh, because your sister and, uh, and brother-in-law stopped by our fair booth in Sterling, Colorado, many years ago, yeah. looking looking for a church for your mother who had moved to Sterling mm-hmm. and wanted to know if this was like the Julesburg uh, Christian Church uh, that we were starting there in that new church work and looking for a church for your mother, uh, Kurt and Delberta came to Christ as well. And uh, they're a couple of people who bring great joy to my life and what has happened with them in their whole life of ministry. And and uh, so I'm, I'm blessed and blessed to know them, blessed to know you and Miss Sylvia. And, and um Looking forward to seeing what God's going to do tonight in revival. Amen. And um, uh, we're thankful that you tuned in today to listen to this podcast. And if it's been an encouragement to you, I would encourage you to share it with your friends and coworkers in Christ. And hope you'll be with us next week when we have another uh, minister, musician, uh, missionary, or, or something else. Someone else <laughs> serving in, in, in ministry um, and share with us. And until then... This is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.